And welcome to your Miami Sports Pod. And it is unfortunately the season ending edition for the Miami Heat. Will Manso, Clay Ferrero. Clay, we were hoping that maybe this latest pod would be a, you know, series tied at two, Heat and five, all those things before we started the playoffs. And here we are. Little did either of us expect the Miami Heat to get swept out of the first round of the NBA playoffs with the Milwaukee Bucks. But that's exactly where we stand as we tape. And now, all the questions become about the offseason. So before we get into anything offseason related, how surprised are you that he got swept? Uh, shocked. Shocked. Um, and, and I think at the same time, I shouldn't be based on what we saw during the regular season. You know, I, I, think, I think we were all hoping that, that what we saw during the regular season was, a, you know, a byproduct of the extremely short offseason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, this is not an excuse. The Heat don't make excuses, blah, 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 blah. The Heat and the Lakers had the shortest offseason of any team in NBA history. And the other two teams that made the conference finals, the Celtics and the Nuggets, have also dealt with a lot of issues. You know, the, the Nuggets have dealt with fewer, but Jamal Murray tore his ACL. So, like, all of these teams have dealt with a lot of stuff, and, and I don't think it's a coincidence. So, with that said, I think we were all hoping that – that he would be able to put that behind them once they got into the playoffs, they could get right. And the fact that they were playing good basketball the last week and a half, two weeks of the season and seemed to be hitting their stride, I think, at least for me, kind of provided a little confidence that, yeah, they're going to get this thing straight and they're going to get right. And even after game one, I felt like, man, they looked like a team that was on the same level yeah. as the Bucks. And then the bottom completely fell off. And, and so if you had told me, if you told me heading into the series that they get swept, I would have been shocked. I think yeah. if you had told me after game one they were going to get shocked, I would have been uh, – get, get swept, I would have been even more shocked. Yeah, and look, losing the series is one thing. The Bucks are really good, and you know I think it's been said enough already about the addition of Drew Holiday and the changes they've made and the way they played the Heat. They clearly had the revenge motivation factor going on top of the fact that they're a much-improved basketball team. I mean, it's just that simple – they got better, the Heat didn't. But I think the part that's disappointing is that even as inconsistent as Jimmy called it near the end of the season, that they were, you know, they were consistent about being inconsistent is the one thing that he'd have done. They still would go stretches where they lose a game to the T-Wolves or something or, or an undermanned Hawks team. And then they'd bounce back and play a great game and beat a quality opponent. In this series, there never was a bounce back. I mean, games two and three were utter embarrassments. Game four, they showed life for the first half. But even then, when they were up seven at the half, I went as a fan of the game on Saturday, and I was at halftime. And I said to myself, you know, it's great to be up. I'm, it's just fun that this is a game. I still think they're going to lose because they did so many things well in the first half, and they were only up seven. And the Bucks did so many things poorly, and they were only down seven. So the Bucks were the better team. It's okay to say that. We see it now. It's fine. But the inconsistencies of the Heat still brought enough good moments that you would have thought this would have been a five, six, seven-game series. Not a clean sweep. Which, in a way, though, I can't say I'm happy the Heat got swept because obviously I'm not. But this team, as crazy as this sounds, sort of deserved it. They sort of deserved it for going through a season thinking that they could just walk up and turn on a switch for going through a season thinking that things would just come together for going through a season thinking, Oh, we were in the finals last year. We can be that team again. There was a certain element 
and a lack of sense of urgency that this team had all season. And no matter how many times Jimmy would say, hey, we'll be fine. I'll make sure. And Spo said, hey, we're going to be fine. We feel we're coming together. It's, you know, we got to And Bam would say, I never felt comfortable where this team was going. I never at one time felt this could be a finals team again. And part of it was that attitude, which then all of a sudden, now we look into the offseason. Well, what needs to change with that attitude? Is this going to be the smack in the face to not only the players, but to Spo, to Pat Riley, to Andy, to look at this and say, hey, the run last year was great, but that's not happening again. We got to straighten ourselves out. And where does that start? Man, the Heat, Clay, have a lot of questions this offseason they have to answer. Oh, big time. And, you know, to your point about, you know, just kind of waltzing through the season. This isn't just Will Manso saying this. This is Jimmy Butler who said this. I mean, he said a number of times, you know, we're not as good as we seem to think we are. And, you know, I, I think in many ways what was so disappointing and frustrating about this season was that the things that made last year's Heat team great and fun were gone. Totally. That chip on the shoulder yeah. was gone. That they weren't fun. I, I want you to keep going, Clay, but I, I just say this. As a fan, I, don't, I, don't even, I didn't even find this team very enjoyable. No. I felt myself frustrated that they were so lackadaisical for so much of the season. Right, and, and it's because you had seen them care so much last year. You would see – and, you know, I – I know it's a different team, different year, and, and that's the first thing that players and coaches will say is, no, last year was last year, this year is this year, that was that team, this is this team. But there were so many of the same guys on, on this team that were on that team. The core was largely the same. And that team was just so much fun. And it wasn't just the bubble. The bubble was fun because they won, and they won in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But even before that, like they – they were just a fun group to follow yeah. up to the pandemic. They seem um, to be having fun. They seem yeah. to be enjoying it as much as we were, as fans, whatever the case. And, and that was not the case this year. And, yep. and I think that was and, – and, again, I don't know if that's because the extremely short offseason – because they've had to deal with things that we haven't had to deal with when it comes to COVID protocols and things. Like, I, I don't – at the same time, you don't want to make excuses, but you have to acknowledge that the players have been through a lot. And yeah, with no, that no. said – They look tired. They look, I will say this, Clay, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've said it a few times, and I wrote an article for Local10.com. If, you know, if you're listening to a podcast, we're pretty much saying everything I said in the article. But in the article I detailed, the, the first thing I said is, look, it's okay to say the Heat were at a disadvantage with the short offseason, and it made things a lot tougher, especially with COVID protocol, the 7-14 and 14 start. Jimmy was missing a lot early in the season. Those are all facts, and it's okay to say that without sounding like you're making excuses as to why right. this team was swept in the first round. It's okay. Those two things can be separate. They did have a tough grind. This was a difficult season. It was There were a lot of tired legs on that team, but there was another thing, too, that I think that bothered me, and I guess it's just human nature sometimes. There were a lot of tired minds. There yeah. were a lot of guys yeah. that seem – I hate to say guys checked out because that's, a, that's not a – that's like saying guys quit. I don't think anyone in the Heat quit. Right. I don't want to make it seem like I thought the Heat quit. But I think that the challenge ahead of what they know it takes to get to the finals from experience and where they were mentally wasn't even. You know what I mean? Right, but what right, they right. needed in the tank mentally was far too empty to what they needed. And they kind of just kind of went with what they had and it was not even close to being enough. And, and this is where I want to, I want to follow up on what you said about it not being an excuse. The reason why it's not an excuse is because we're not sitting here saying that this group is good enough. If not for all of that, this group is not good enough. 
to, to get where the Heat want to get to, to where Pat Riley and Jimmy Butler want to get to as a core, as a team, as a roster. So, you know, you can look at all these things and say, okay, these were reasons why it is fair to assume that this team was not as good this year as they were last year, but at the same time also acknowledge that many of the players that were the core of that team last year yeah. are getting towards the end of their careers and certainly towards the end of their primes or if not past their, you know, Goran Dragic next year is going to be two years older than he was yeah. during that finals run. You know, Jimmy Butler is going to be two years old. I mean, all of these yeah. guys, it's, it's not one year older anymore. And, and so it, the reason why it's not an excuse is because we're not excusing it as a reason to bring this group back. There mm -hmm. have to be changes and there have to be significant changes. Um, you know, and, and I don't think anything should be off the table when no. it comes to, outside, to fixing this roster. Outside of Jimmy and Bam, nothing should be 22, off, off the table. 22 and 13. To me, 22 and 13 are safe and beyond that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're so the same where age. where did they go wrong? I think that's the question that I think every Heat fan. And look, we've got a long off season to figure it out. That's what Pat Riley, Andy Spo, the front office are going to sit down this week, likely, and start really digging into where they went wrong. Parts of it, I think they already know. The moves they made in the off season didn't work out. Avery Bradley, mm -hmm. Mel Harkless, thought to be good veterans, defenders, shooters, all those things. It didn't work out to the point that they were shipped out. You know, the Victor mm -hmm. Oladipo move, which we even now, in hindsight, still agree it was the right move to take a shot on Oladipo. Didn't work out. He got mm -hmm. hurt. That it, He's injury prone. It's unfortunate. Man, you hope that he can figure it out and get healthy. Maybe it's with the Heat. Maybe it's someone, someone else. But that didn't work out. So you were, you were left pretty much with Jimmy Bam and, or Bust. And then yep. what ended up really happening is that teams figured out you got to cover Duncan tight. And Duncan was still a good shooter this year. It's not like he fell off a cliff. But he got so much, so much attention that he just couldn't play to the level he did last year. When the Heat and Duncan didn't shoot threes well, they lost. And in this series, they lost ugly. Tyler Hero regressed. Part of it was injury. Part of it was, I think, the standard he set last year in the bubble and what people expected was probably a little too much. It was probably a little too much for a sophomore and then in a full season, you know, meaning in a, out of the bubble and now having to travel and the grind and the team preparation probably wasn't ready for that step yet. You know, so the real Tyler Hero is probably in the middle of that. Kendrick Nunn had a very nice season, but he's not the centerpiece. Goran Dragic, they did everything they could to manage his minutes to make Goran Dragic come to be. And guess what? It didn't work out. Goran is still a quality player. I think he could help this team. I think he'd be a great guy to keep around. But if you have to count on Goran being more than that consistently, it's not going to work. He's just not there yet. So I guess what I'm saying, Clay, is as you go down the list, pretty much everything went went wrong I, I don't even know what went right with this team when you really think about what they added what they expected their leap from certain guys and what ended up happening yeah and so you know I I think you kind of alluded to this at the outset that in no way shape or form are you are you happy that that they got swept I do think the one thing that that crashing and 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 falling apart so <laughs> in such a an unbelievable fashion as they did is there are no misgivings now moving forward. There have to be changes. And, and so like, let's say they had found a way to beat the bucks because, you know, the matchup just happened to work out for whatever reason. And you know, that uh, you know, the, the magic that they captured last year, for whatever reason, they played the bucks really well. And then they get to play Brooklyn and, and they're able to, to, you know, uh, mess them up a little bit and, and push it to six or seven, like, then maybe you you had this thing in your mind that okay we're closer than we actually yeah. are. 
the way they lost in the first round to a Milwaukee team. By that, 20 I mean, points a game, even counting I, I, a game that went overtime? There is the only positive that can come of this is you cannot walk away from this series and think that things are okay. I mean, you you have to make some sweeping changes and, and make sure that this group next year, uh, outside of those two players, looks a lot different than the group that you saw this year. And you, you look, you've got financial decisions. You got to figure out what Duncan yeah. Robinson is long term. Are you really going to pay him the money that's being talked about, 16, 18, 20 million dollars a year? What are you going to do about Kendrick Nunn? Is Nunn a guy that you're going to try to keep? He's going to have a market out there. He's a good score. Is he an elite player? Could he be that? Probably not. I don't think Kendrick's upside is that. But Kendrick's upside is as a 16 to 20 point score, I think is he's that's his money area where I think mm -hmm. if he's a starter on a team, whether it's here or somewhere else, that's probably what he averages with quality minutes as he grows into a, you know, grows over time. I think Kendrick has shown that ability. Goren again, we call him a lifer. He's now played, you know, more time in a Miami Heat uniform than Tim Hardaway. And yet, man, that's unreal. It's crazy. You don't know what his future holds. You've got that core of young guys that, you know, Casey Okpala, Precious Achua, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, all guys that showed some things this year, but they've got to work this offseason, get stronger, get better, and see what kind of role they have. But I think you're seeing where I'm going with this. The Heat need to score. They need someone else who can consistently score. And none of the guys I just mentioned is that player. The next guy, if you want to call it a big three or, you know, the, the, the complimentary piece to Jimmy and Bam is not on this roster currently. It just doesn't exist. And whether that is a Kyle Lowry, whether that is a whale that may become available, whether it's Kawhi Leonard or someone else, whoever it may be, I'm not sure if signing Victor Oladipo on the cheap in a show me deal is the is the is the answer to this team's issues you know i i don't think jimmy and bam with this core that i just mentioned or even a couple of plug-in guys that are just quality players is enough to beat a milwaukee to beat a brooklyn to beat a philly and when you're pat riley and you're building championships that's all you're worried about is beating those teams and right now the path with jimmy and bam has to be something else if they want to get to that level yeah, I mean, you can't delude yourself into thinking that you're you're something that you're not right now. And so, uh, to me, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> Joe Harris set the bar last offseason for a shooter. And, you know, I think it was $80 million, $75 million, whatever it was. And, um, hey, someone is going to look at what Duncan Robinson brought to the floor, and he's going to get an enormous offer from someone. And, and that's going to be a, a – excuse me, a tough, tough decision to make because I think the one thing that we saw with this team is, you know, I, I think teams kind of figured out how to defend the Heat when all they had were uh, a couple of guys who could pass really well or drive in, in Jimmy and Bam and a shooter that could go around the perimeter and create space. When you didn't have that consistent isolation player, a score, teams could defend you. So, if you're if you're the Heat, you're sitting there and you're trying to decide whether or not you pay Duncan Robinson upwards of $75, $80 million. That's a lot of money. It's it's a tough and and when you have somebody who look, I'm not saying Max Struess is is as good as as Duncan Robinson. He wasn't this year, but he could reasonably replace the types of things that that Duncan could do. Again, not as good, but to me, it's okay. Can you really justify paying that much money if you cannot go out and get someone who can score in isolation to give you that added element? And and I just don't know that you can. I, I think you got to find a way. I, so that's probably to me the toughest decision. Um, 
And as much as you got to love what Duncan Robinson has done for this team and, and what he's done for himself, because he's clearly going to make bank on the open market, I, I, I think what we've seen is this team needs someone who can get a bucket on their own. And, and, and they don't have it. Was, it. They don't have it. They, no. And well, you know what we learned in these playoffs too. Look, we can't do a podcast. We can't recap a season and not show a little blame to Jimmy and Bam. And that is not at all to say that they are at all the focal point of what went wrong with this team. But if Jimmy showed every, anything this year too for the greatness he was last year, there were times where he had trouble getting to the Jimmy that we saw. And maybe a big part of that, I think two parts of it is number one is. He is human. I mean, it was a short off season and a lot is put on his shoulders. I think probably unfairly by the heat to just kind of say, Jimmy, save us. And Jimmy can't always save you. I mean, it's just not human for a guy to just every night be the answer. Okay. We're struggling. He has to be the guy. I know he makes big money. I know he's the star on the team, but that's not a formula for success. Number two is Jimmy needs someone to pick up the slack. And I don't mm -hmm. think Bam did that enough. You know, so that work coincides with Jimmy and Bam. Bam made another leap this year. He is still an ascending player. But if there's a criticism of Bam, which is a fair criticism, I think anyone who sits out there and says, oh, this isn't a max player. He's not a guy you build around. That's BS, man. Bam is absolutely a max player. He's absolutely a core vital piece you build around. He is a all-NBA type defender. He is an ascending offensive player. But doesn't mean he's a polished final product player. There are still things to his game. Too often, Clay, he was caught at the top of the key, not even looking at the basket. And we saw it during the year, but it was maddening in the Buck series because it was clear Mike Budenholzer told Bobby Portis, told Brooke Lopez, told those guys, hey, don't even bother with Bam at the top of the key. Hold your space down there and pack the paint. And Bam never took advantage. That was yep. frustrating. He needs to learn to take advantage. He's too good of an offensive player to be so passive in those moments. He's a great facilitator, but that can't be Bam's game. And I think Eric Spolstra is at fault for that and not bringing out of him. And Bam as well has to look in the mirror. So it's not just, hey, the complimentary pieces let Jimmy and Bam down. Jimmy and Bam let this team down too. And, and, and part of it goes to what you said about the short offseason. Part of it goes that they didn't have a lot of help. But this was a total team disappointment, not just a couple of guys who underachieved. No, and, and – talking about this tonight on sports Sundays, we're recording this on Sunday, but uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell has a book called tipping point. That's, it, you know, any sort of like huge event throughout history, it's never one thing that causes it. It is always a series of events that leads up to the big thing, you know? And, and I think with this Miami heat season, not just this series, but with the entire season, these are not all excuses. They are all each small reasons why this team failed. That does not excuse the fact that they failed, but they failed. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo did not play up to the level they needed to. The complimentary players did not play up to the level they needed to. The chemistry was not there. The joy for the game was not visible. The, you know, the, the chip on the shoulder, mm -hmm. the toughness just was not there uh, compared to what we've seen from, from past teams and what we saw last year. All of these things, I think, just coincided to, to kind of get to that tipping point where, you know, as much as we hoped that things would be different in the playoffs, they weren't. And so now you look to towards the future. And, and you know, I, I do think that this is still a very attractive place to be, and not just yes. because of the weather and not just because of, you know, uh, the things that, that bring people to South Florida in general. 
It is still a very attractive place to play. It's a place where players can win. I think it's a place where if you've got the right mindset and the right mentality, you can come here and make an enormous difference. And, and I think that's the one thing that they can sell this offseason to a potentially uh, big star out there. And, you know, you're going to hear the names. I, I think Stephen A. Smith has already mentioned Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, Pat Riley is going to make a run at a big fish. And, and whoever that is, to. he has to. He has to. He has to. But you, you can no longer justify bringing back this group based on what we saw last year. And I, I think everything is going to be on the table, Will. And, and, you know, I think the one positive from all of this is that, you you can't say that this was good enough, and and I don't think no, anybody no, there I, I, moving I, I, forward feels that way. And look, we haven't talked to the Heat players yet. Uh, they do their availability. Some of them are available on Monday, and they're expulsed then. And then eventually, Pat Riley will do his State of the Heat address that he normally does after the season. And I think you'll get some honesty from them that it wasn't enough. I don't think you're going to hear Heat players, coaches, front office make excuses. I don't think you're going to hear them saying, oh, we're fine. We're going to be okay. We're just going to run it back again. Because remember last year, the theme was run it back. And by the way, for the sake of transparency, you know, I think if I recall, you were on the board with me as well. I was all for the run it back theory. I thought that you could run back this team with a couple of pieces like an Avery Bradley, Mo Harkless. He's, you know, hopefully Precious gave you some minutes as your first round pick and was something. And you would hope that Tyler, you know, would progress and Duncan would keep being that Duncan and Bam would take that next step. I was wrong. I was wrong as the front office was wrong. And we just talked about a lot of the factors why it happened. And part of it was just kind of out of the heat's control, but part of it was very much in the heat's control. So while we're not going to spend the rest of this pod, the few minutes we have left, Clay, breaking down free agent options and draft you know, talk and trade options and all, all these things that the next few months will bring, I think we could simply say in agreement that you have to make some big changes. You alluded to it now, but what needs to happen with this team cannot be minor plug and play, guys. It cannot be add a piece here, small veteran there, a backup center there bring back Dwayne Dedman <laughs> that just that can't be it for this team if they truly want to be in position because look with Jimmy and Bam and the complimentary pieces this is a playoff team it's okay next year with a full off season you bring this team back it's a it's a five seed right in these five seed right that's about it yep. this year they yep. probably should have been a four seed but you know whatever the slow start kind of killed them did them in the inconsistency but there's a four or five seed fine that's not what the heat want to be though they right. want to be a right. team that can compete with these teams that we're now watching in the playoffs, and they're not there. So this cannot be as simple as let's run it back and add a piece or two. Yeah, and by the way, let's be honest about the whole run it back thing. Run it back was never plan A. Run it back was probably plan B or C. A, a or B is always, hey, let's see if, if Bradley Beal is going to ask out of Washington. You know, Let's see if, if Giannis is going to demand a trade and, and turn down the extension from Milwaukee. Like, that's – Pat Riley's plan A is never status quo. I think what, what this has done, though, is it has pushed run it back with this roster yeah. down to, like, plan Q. Like, oh, you're going to have to – Plan Q, no, if they run it back with this roster, Pat should just retire. Yeah, yeah, it'll be playing Malibu. Like he's yeah. out of here. If they, if they, so yeah, I, I think last year he, I, I think he ran it back once he realized that there wasn't like there wasn't the time to be no, able the to, short to try to put yeah, something together. Right. The short yeah. season was tough. Yeah. So so I, I think a number of things contributed to let's run it back. Let's give this team a chance since Bam and and Goran got hurt in the final. But you you can't tell me that if Washington had called and said 
you know what, give us your first round pick, Tyler Hero and, and a future whatever, uh, Bradley you know, for Bradley, and we'll send you Brad. You can't tell me that Pat Riley no. wouldn't have gone. So, and by the way, by the way, they were in on this. They were in on looking at James Harden, and Drew Holiday. Yes, but they just didn't have the assets. And by the way, and anyone who, who's listened to this and, and believes the 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 crap, basically, for lack of a better term, about they wouldn't give up Tyler Hero to get James Harden. That's not true. They Complete garbage. Pat Riley would have given up Tyler Hero and his home in Malibu to get James <laughs> Harden. He, he doesn't. I, it just wasn't available. You know, look what the Bucks no. gave up for Drew Holiday. They had to give up no. a fortune. No, he didn't it, have those like, assets. Now, what I do believe is that it was put out there that, hey, that the Heat aren't going to trade. But it wasn't, it wasn't like Tyler Hero was the sticking point. It was, hey, the, the Heat realized very, very early on. Every report you will listen to is that the Heat realized very, very early on that what, what the Rockets were seeking for Harden was a lot of assets and, yes. and a lot of draft picks, things that he did not have. So what, what sense did it make for them to call and just say, hey, we'll give you a hero. We'll give this team here. Like, you, why would they, you put they it? They weren't in. Yeah. Right. Why, why, why would you make him widely available and, and make every – no. I mean, so anyway, I, I think there's, there's a timeline there. There's a there's – a, I think the way things went down is a little bit different than, than what the public perception seems to be on that. So, yeah, yeah. Pat, Pat Riley is never going to say, no, I don't want that established MVP because I want to run it back. No, not at all. Not at all. So it didn't work out that he gave it a shot. We can't sit here and be hip, hypocrites and say, oh, we saw this coming. We didn't. We thought this would be a quality second round to maybe Eastern Conference final contending team. And simply they weren't. They were a fringe playoff team that got swept out in an embarrassing fashion the first round. And that is who they are. Just like last year, anyone saying they were a bubble fraud is dumb because they were exactly who they were. <laughs> they were a team that came together and did things that no other team could do with that bubble. And they got to play for a championship. That team is an Eastern Conference championship team. That team has that history. can never get taken away. This team was a first-round exit that got swept. Uh, that's, that's it. That's his... It, two completely different teams, two completely different results, but both things you have to live with and the Heat organization has to move forward with. So, Clay, I know we'll get plenty of off-season chat. You know, we've got a lot of things coming up over the summer, obviously, with the Dolphins, and, and, you know, but the Heat will be a big part of our focus as time passes. I think for now it's almost like people just want to forget it for maybe, what, a month, forget what <laughs> happened, and then start yeah. thinking ahead. I, I want to, yeah. I'll tell you what, man. I it was it was so great. It was so fun being out at Dolphins uh, OTAs this week. Like I, so at least I feel like there's at least a little bit of something to look forward to as we move forward. But I, maybe I'm the only human being that, that really no, enjoys no, watching no. We're, players we're, practice. We're, we're okay. Listen, the Panthers and the Heat both ending the same week was uh, was cruel. And the Dolphins will be around soon enough, and then we can start refocusing on what Pat Riley wants to do. We'll enjoy the NBA playoffs meantime. But this, as, as I said in the article, again, it's a local10.com in our sports section if you want to check it out. The only word to describe this heat season to me is disappointing. It's disappointing, and when Pat Riley's disappointed, he tries to make things happen. And that's what I expect to happen this offseason. All right, that'll do it for Miami Sports Pod. We appreciate you listening and subscribing. We'll talk again next week.